Adventures cast is part of the Fire and Water Network. Why don't you guys lighten up on Cliff, huh? Yeah, sorry, Sam, but uh, you gotta admit, it's a little bit weird, isn't it? I mean, he's never been married. I've never even seen him with a woman. Hey, Norm, Norm he's your best friend. Is he gay or what? I can't believe what I'm hearing. You can't tell a gay guy by his appearance. We had an outfielder on the Red Sox, Duke Roberts. I mean, he never got married, he never went with girls, he even wore those fancy Italian shoes. And he lived with the guy who was a florist. And Duke wasn't gay. Yes, he was, Coach. <laughs> he was? You think he'd like to meet Cliffy? Oh, come on. <laughs> Welcome back to Cheerscast, the podcast where everybody knows your name. I'm Ryan Daly, and joining me once more is one of the hosts of Jeff and Rick Presents Unpacking the Power of Power Pack, and I can never remember which one, uh, so I wrote it down on my hand, but then I took the dog out and the leash kind of rubbed it off, so looks like Kip. Welcome Kip to the show. (laughs) Wow, of two choices, you chose neither. (laughs) <laughs> Congratulations, sir. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, I, I, am the, I am the better looking one, as you can tell by my voice. And uh, my name is Rick, a.k.a. Not Jeff. So thank you very much for having me back once again, sir. Thank you, Not Jeff. It's always a pleasure to have you on the show. <laughs> um, you told me that you brought a beer. And is it topical for the episode that we're going to cover? Sure, of course it is. I always bring topical beers that have something to do with the episode we're going to cover. I never just run up to my fridge and grab the first thing I I can because, you know, I, I would I would always be much more prepared than that. Come on, what do you take me for, man? The reason I so, bring you uh, back is because you do more preparation than everybody else. <laughs> that is completely true. Um, and so this time I will not disappoint you because I am bringing... Coco Cow, a chocolate milk stout from Sun River Brewing Company. And this is how I'm tying it into the show. One of our stars of the show is uh, dressed up and is representing somebody who um, just came from the sunshiny state of Florida. Mm-hmm. See? See? See how I'm connecting it? Hey, huh? Okay, okay. Huh? I get it. Get it. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I was waiting. I was like, was that bottled in Florida or something? I, I, I was hoping that was going to be it, so... No, it's it's as it's as it's as a, a slight of a connection as sun, but um, I've had this beer before and it is quite tasty and I wanted to have it again, uh, and I'm pouring it into a nice frosted glass and it's a cold beer and on a hot hot day like this, this is going to taste fabulous. Uh, you're making me thirsty, <laughs> so we better get through this one quick. <laughs> All right, we are on season three, episode four, titled "Fairy Tales Can Come True." This episode was written by Sam Simon, directed by James Burroughs. The original air date was Thursday, October 25th, 1984. It's Halloween, and everyone at Cheers is dressed in costume. Cliff arrives as Ponce de Leon, the explorer who discovered Florida. 
Hence, hence, you know, the connection to Rick Spear. Uh, uh-huh. Yeah, he discovered Florida while searching for the Fountain of Youth. Did, I, I, listeners, did you know that Cliff took a trip to the Sunshine State recently? He only mentions it every scene. Um, and in this episode, only one customer is not bored to death by Cliff's Florida trivia, a woman dressed as Tinkerbell. She's not only not bored, she's utterly fascinated, and they spend the entire night together as Ponce and Tinkerbell, talking, playing, and dancing. Fraser, meanwhile, is called away to a seminar in Chicago and has to break a date with Diane to attend the Boston Symphony Orchestra. He recommends Diane give his ticket to Sam instead after discovering the Boston Pops was one of the few cultural enrichment activities that Sam enjoyed. Diane offers both tickets to Sam but doesn't want to go with him. Sam assumes the reason is she'd be too overcome by a renewed attraction to him, so Diane agrees to the date only to prove him wrong. The next day, Cliffy shows up dressed in a suit with plans to meet his Tinkerbell unmasked by the front door of the bar at 8pm. The only problem is, without the protection of his mask and costume, Cliff returns to being a stammering, blathering fool around women. He retreats to Sam's office in shame, but Norm goes in and gives him a confidence-boosting pep talk. Cliff resumes waiting for his date, but she doesn't show up at the predetermined time. He spends the rest of the night wallowing in self-pity until the phone rings just before closing. Tinkerbell, whose real name is Sharon O'Hare, has been across the street the entire night, too shy to come over. At last, Sharon comes inside and she and Cliff meet face-to-face, unmasked. And they're both so shy that they can't move or speak. Sam turns on the jukebox, hoping the familiar song will help thaw the ice. It doesn't break, however, until Sam physically forces them into dancing with each other. So that was Fairy Tales Can Come True. Rick, what did you think of the episode? I loved this episode. This <laughs> is quite possibly one of the sweetest, if not kindest, episodes that Cheers has given us yet. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that it is. it has put its heart on its sleeve. And the most shocking thing is it's a love story that features Cliff, <laughs> which you just are not expecting. But it is sweet, it is kind, it is very patient, um, it flows very nicely. I mean, this is probably not just one of these great standout or cosmically funny episodes. It is just a nice, good, solid episode that's just got a lot of heart and a lot of feelings with it. It does. I think it's sort of sweet and adorable sort of describes it. I was actually thinking after you said that probably the last time we got a love story story arc with Cliff was back in early in season two after Carla, her other baby, was born and her twin sister, also played by Rhea Perlman, comes on the show and Cliff kind of falls for her but doesn't realize she's actually seeing everybody in the greater Massachusetts and New England area. And so then, you know, he has his his talk with Norm and that, and that's sort of a heartfelt ending for the two of them. But this one is much sweeter and much kind of like kinder. And uh, and they they kind of go through a whole lot just from, and we'll talk about it just from, you know, mm-hmm. the guys kind of razzing Cliff for, you know, being, you know, shy and like not having much of a social life, uh, even suspecting he's gay um, to, mm-hmm. you know, like later on with how he's connecting with the girl and then, and then when he's, you know, like really like losing it and like his confidence is entirely shot. Um, but it ends on this really sappy kind of like happy note and it's really cool. It's a fun, yeah. fun show. Yeah. 
and not not only love story too, but it also is a very sweet and touching moment with him and and uh, Norm in <laughs> Sam's office. I mean, if nothing else, it is a fantastic scene, actually showing that they are best friends and that they do have this good connection with each other. Yeah. So I mean, for that, it's just there's a lot in this episode, and it's not about Sam and Diane, which is also kind of nice to have every now and again, and really focus on these other characters in the bar. Yeah, and actually, I was uh, I was thinking about that. In the previous episode, Cliff. I mean, the, the previous episode also had a big Cliff subplot. This is two episodes in a row, um, mm-hmm. and that one dealing with him uh, trying to hide, you know, the fact that he ran out his partner. And then there's the Sam and Diane and, and Fraser plot, and they're almost, you know, half and half, kind of like split with which one gets more screen time. But ultimately, you come down with it's the Sam and Diane show. You know, it sure. ends with them in the office. It's, it's kind of them. This time around, I'm like, no, this is absolutely Cliff's episode um, to the point where Diane, she leaves early on in the second act and doesn't come back for like the last seven or eight minutes of the episode. Um, So, yeah, it's it's absolutely Cliff's. Yeah. And I mean, the the, the Sam and Diane story was was fine. It was a nice little B plot in there that just gave just enough breath for everything else that was happening and still managed to make it feel like there's other things in the bar besides just Cliff. Right, right. Yeah, just to sort of get get out of the way, let's go through the Sam and Diane part of it first. Um, Actually, if if you don't mind, if you don't mind, I think we should definitely start off at the beginning of this episode and talk just a little bit about the costumes. Oh yeah, there you go, there you go. And actually, I, I was going to bring that up too because like Fraser is really just in the in the teaser, and then uh, early on. But yeah, the teaser mm. we open up and we find very early on that it is it is a Halloween centric episode because they're all dressed up, um, and we can just kind of go through beat by beat. Um, so we'll, we'll talk about our guest Fraser because he's the one who sort of goes through most of the the teaser, and he is dressed as the Mad Hatter. Of course he is, because he's he's the shrink. It and, makes sense. <laughs> and Kelsey Grammer as the Mad Hatter, I mean, to comic book lovers like us, doesn't that just kind of feel a little bit perfect? <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, it hits it hits exactly where you want it to hit. This is and you get the joke. It's he's the Mad Hatter. And of course, Diane is, of course, being Alice. Right, right. Diane is Alice. Think of that. Think of that exactly what you will. And you're reading exactly into it. It is not layered at all. It is right there in front of you. He calls her his tiny Alice. <laughs> it's, yeah, mm-hmm. it's, it's there. And we've got uh, Coach is dressed as a pirate. Uh, Sam mm-hmm. is dressed as a cowboy. Carla is dressed as a like a jailbird. She's in like prisoner stripes and everything like that. Norm, <laughs> I think actually characteristically nope. for Norm, no costume. <laughs> no, you're wrong. You are wrong. Okay. Next to him on the bar is a mask. It's a Richard Nixon mask. I didn't notice that. <laughs> right there next to him at the bar where he's drinking, he's got a Richard Nixon mask that he touches a couple times. He came dressed as simple of a costume as he possibly could <laughs> what mask was in the stores back then richard nixon mask he didn't have to do a thing about it did he look like richard nixon no he just wore the mask i i've come dressed up as as richard nixon what do you want you know what I, i'm gonna <laughs> it is perfectly norm that is perfect you know what i'm gonna make up a thing where sammy had a, a sale like if you come in costume you get like half price beer or something like that and that was norm <laughs> yep. so he's like yeah of course i'm in costume but but i've got to take costume. the mask off to drink sammy you know mm-hmm. so I never noticed that mask. I'm going to have to go back and look at that. I didn't even see it. I just thought it would be typical of Norm to not wear anything. But now, 
I, I wrote it down in my notes. I'm sitting there typing notes. I'm like, not dressed up. And then dot, 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 Richard Nixon. Because it took me a while to notice it, too, until I was like, wait, wait, right there. Oh, my God. Oh, wow. So. That's cool. That's great. And I, I no, I, I love even more this little, whole little, like, uh, like story that I've concocted in my head that Sammy had a, a discount, a sale on beer for anybody who dressed in costume. And that was, that was Norm's way of getting the beer. Sir, your no prize is in the mail. It works perfect. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then I guess the only other person that we had was like you mentioned, um, the guest star dressed up as Tinkerbell. Of course, there's a lot of other patrons in the bar. I saw somebody dressed up a, uh, in a Navy uh, suit. Um, there's just a lot of people back there dressed in different things. But yeah, the only yeah, other there's... big one is is Tinkerbell. Right. Tinkerbell is in there. Um, at one point, Cl- Cliffy is boring a patron. He comes out of the pool room talking to uh, a character who is dressed as a sheik, uh, apparently. Uh, the character is credited as Jeff. And this is the guy that Cliffy is boring to death with stories about oranges. Um, that actor, the guest, is played by J. Allen Thomas, um, and he's got a few acting credits, but notably, he appeared in over 70 episodes of Taxi. He was Danny wow. DeVito's assistant, and I think mostly just seen, like, behind a window or something in the background. I think, like, even, like, a bunch of his appearances aren't even credited because he didn't have dialogue. He was just kind of in the background, but, Yeah. It's a, it's. I mean, you know, he heard about the Halloween party over at Cheers and the mm-hmm. pre, and the beers, the half pie beers you could get. So he he took off from New York and came up to Boston just for that. <laughs> there you go. Uh, <laughs> and yeah, as the as the episode opens, Fraser is reciting the poem "The Raven" by Edgar Allan Poe. Uh, and he, we get like the last, you know, half a verse of it with him culminating, uh, "My soul shall be lifted throughout that, or shall be lifted nevermore." Um, and they're all like, "Woo, yeah, that was you know masterful yeah. and everything." And he's like, "That was Poe." And Coach, of course, like, "Don't sell yourself short, Doc. That was really, <laughs> really good." And then you know, and- who's going to tell the next the next ghost story? And of course, Coach's idea of a terrifying Halloween story. He describes something from Casper, the friendly ghost. Right. And which, of course, starts to set off uh, Carla. She's she doesn't want any part of ghosts because she's got that. Carla's always got that. That's part of her character. She doesn't like superstition. She doesn't like the ghost things. That's part of her character. And she's like, no, don't tell that. And like, no, no, I I, I should just live with it myself. <laughs> Coach is really. <laughs> He was really taken aback by Casper. It really scared him. I mean, he's a simple man. <laughs> That's a demon that haunts him to this day. And you're right. And this might be. Is this like the first hint of Carla's superstition? I don't know. I mean, it no. does become a big part of her character. I don't know if they've uh, the uh, the oh, the, the episode the hexing, with the weight. The, yeah, the, 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 the hexing yeah, with the weight. weight. With the you're right yep. with the scale and everything. Yeah, yep. she was. She thought it was possessed and it was cursed. Yeah, you're right. But then, of course, uh, that leads into the the end of the teaser, where uh, where Norm decides to do his scary story, and it's this, and he holds up his empty beer glass, ah, which you know scares scares poor Coach, coach yeah. and then Coach is like, oh, oh, I get it, I get it, and we go into the credits. Right, right, and before we even get into the cliff plot, um, I'll, I'll just kind of jump into it because Fraser has this thing uh, talking about you know having to leave, and he's got these uh, these concert tickets, and Sam is excited about the Boston Pops and this revelation that that was the one sort of cultural thing that Diane could always bring him to that really, he really liked, and he because. You know, well, of course, as he tells as he tells Fraser, the musician, quote unquote, musician that Sam was always the most fascinated by, and how how skilled it was, was the guy in charge of the cannons. 
from the 1812 Overture, which, yeah. as a child and going to Waterfront Park in Portland, Oregon, I loved hearing them play the over the 1812 Overture because they get to do the cannons. It's awesome. So yes, Sam is a child. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And he even mentioned it. He's like, you know, I thought about getting into that, but I think it might have been one of those things where you had to start as a kid. You had to start when you were really young. And Fraser is just kind of like mortified from going from being really impressed that hey, Sam is into this into this music. He knows this stuff to Oh, he just likes the explosions. I'm talking to a grown child. And then he does have this exchange with Diane where he's like, sometimes I think Sam is actually pretending to be dumber than he lets on. And And, and her response back was, well, how smart do you have to be to portray yourself as that dumb to hide you really that smart? And it's such a reverse. (laughs) It's such a circular logic that it looks like. Fraser's about to fall over actually at that point. Yeah. And he's like, I don't even know if I could pull it off. And he's like, he falls falls into the joke herself. Because she's like, oh, of course you could. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, then he has to leave, but he gives her the ticket. He's like, why don't you take Sam and everything? Because Sam mentioned he liked it. And she's like, I have no interest in going with Sam, but I'm happy that you know, you're know you secure enough in our relationship that you wouldn't be jealous. They, they end up kind of like going back and forth. Will they go? Will they go? And they end up going. And they come back from it. And they had a nice time. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's there's some repartee at the end, you know, with uh, how do you feel about, you know, getting done with a, a date where there's not sex at the end of it. Um, yeah, which is, is like, he's like, what would you call that? He's like, a first. A first. Uh, and the, the only part that really kind of stuck out for me is that they're having this conversation right at the door. Actually, there's two things. They're having this conversation right at the door. So as they're having this conversation, people are coming in behind them, and it's like they're just scooting around them because Diane's right in front of the door. <laughs> yeah. Like, move. But then also there's a lady sitting at the one table that's kind of right in front of the door, and she's reading a book. And, like, during that thing where, like, you know, it's a first, she gets scared, <laughs> like, turns around, <laughs> and she's like, These, this couple is talking about sex right behind me. <laughs> Where am I at? <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. Then, yeah, when they when they come back from, he's like, she's going over like the the lasers, and he's mo- mimicking the the explosions of the cannons and everything, the pops. Um, and she's like, you know, I want to thank you for being such a gentleman and and you know not making move on me or something like that. He's like, well, you haven't left yet, and he kind of like <laughs> gestures, and she runs off. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, it's it's a good. I mean, again, like for. The show, I mean, ostensibly at this point is still about them and are can they be a couple? Can they coexist? She's dating somebody else, so we still get the chance to have them going on a date and flirting. But this for this episode, there's no real tension or there there's no fighting with them in this episode. They just they're at a very again, kind of going with the nature of this just being a sweet and wholesome episode. They're not bickering or backstabbing each other. They go on a what appears to be a platonic date and it's yeah. everything is fine. And I and I think it's wonderful. I mean, it's like it's you, you still have the little jabs, the little you know innuendos, but there's nothing like big or earth shattering. It's not going to rock the entire bar. It's just they went out and had fun together, and that's the B plot. Okay, that's all we need. That is all we need because the rest of the show is has got enough meat on the bone for us to enjoy. Right, right. The real the the main plot of this starts off when Cliff walks in dressed as Ponce de Leon. And again, brings back his story about going to Florida and his new sort of hero, the guy who discovered Florida. And when he first come, comes in and, like, you know, tells Coach, he's like, guess who I am? And he's like, you're, you're Cliff Clave. And he's like, no, I'm Ponce de Leon. Coach has this line where he says, I think your ears are too big. And yeah. he's like, for Ponce de Leon? He's like, no, for you, Cliff. I think you should, your ears are too big. That line to me just felt like it was 
it was like way out of character for Coach. Like they were like they were trying too hard for that joke, and I'm like, Coach is not the kind of person who would judge someone like that. I can see him being mm. uh, like saying something like that as not judgmental, but it just seemed for me it just felt weirdly out of place for Coach. Maybe it was just he was still trying to play off the fact that he was still seeing Cliff dressed up, and so he's like, Cliff, why are you dressed up with big ears? I don't know. I. I, I kind of lost that one too. It, it, it was a joke that they threw out there, and it fell flat. And eh, you have some misses sometimes. Right, right. Um, it does, and maybe maybe they just came up with it because they needed this weird kind of segue. Because Cliff mentions that big ears are an erogenous zone during heavy petting, and <laughs> this perks Carla to mind. Was like, how would you know? Like, what have you ever? And then this leads to the whole gang kind of making fun of him, like all the the tertiary bar flies, mm-hmm. like uh, Steve and Alan, joking how you know he never has any dates. He's never with a woman. He's always too scared and everything like that. And, and I was I was interested in this scene because Norm is there and he's kind of chuckling at the jokes, but he's really not laying in at the same time. And this kind of goes to what happens later on when he goes into the office and talks to Cliff. You know, who's the guy who stands up for you? He's not really standing up and, and telling the guys to back down, but he's just kind of like, you know, okay, it's it's okay, it's okay. They're giving some good ribbing. You know, he's it's like almost like he's waiting for them to go too far so he can pull them back in. Yeah, yeah. He's not he's really... like, this, is, this isn't my place to step in yet. Cliff can yeah. defend himself on his own until he really needs me. Then he'll mm-hmm. do. It. Yeah. But he's also he also knows that these guys are going down the more of the dagger than the fun bantering path. Mm-hmm. And you know, it starts when the the Steve guy is like, "Hey, you know, Norman, you're closer to Cliff than any of us. Is he gay?" And they start asking, and then this leads into, uh, you know, it's going to be my home run, but I don't, I can't, I can't bury this one until the end. So we've got to just go through this. Um, Coach says, you know, he's like, he's had enough with his talk. He's like, you can't tell a person is gay just by their looks. And he's like, by, back when I was, you know, coaching for the Red Sox, we had this player, what's his name, Duke Roberts or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Duke. And he's like, he wasn't married. He didn't chase women. He wore these fancy Italian shoes, and he lived with another man who was a florist. And Duke wasn't gay. And he's just kind of waiting. Sam is lingering behind him. Sam just kind of almost whispers, like, yeah, he was, coach. Yeah, he was. <laughs> it's like... He was? <laughs> yeah. That that one was fantastic. That was... that was It probably is on my second place for my home run. Mm-hmm. But that was a fantastic setup. And once again, just the naivety on, on Coach's part of, oh, he was? I mean, he's <laughs> listing off everything that's so stereotypical. And, you know, <laughs> Sam's like, oh, yeah, he was gay. Yeah. yeah. We all knew it. Yeah. Knew <laughs> you it. kind of wonder if, like... Was he that naive? Did Sam protect Coach from that information or something like that? Or yeah, kinda. I don't know. Protecting it, it's just probably Coach or Sam just thought like everybody else. Oh, Coach knows. <laughs> yeah. oh, he doesn't. Yeah, it doesn't. Okay. <laughs> if, if nobody actually just told him that, then yeah, it's, yeah. yeah so. um, and then yeah, but then that's when Normie does kind of step up and said he's not gay. He's just really shy around women to the point and, and he we becomes should... a blathering idiot. And we should also point out that prior to this, in in order to defend himself, Cliff says, I'm going to walk in the back and see if there's any girls back there for me to hook up with. And so he's been gone in the back room the entire time. And as Norm comes back with this, you know, no, he's not gay. That's when Cliff, of course, comes out of the back with the guest star that you mentioned earlier, mm-hmm. with his arm around his his shoulder, just telling him about Florida. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course. And um, the guy's excuse was, you know, I, I got to go home. I think I left my oven on. God, I hope I did because I can stick my head in it. <laughs> <laughs> it's Dang. a good little end for the guy to to get out of there. Yeah, and then Cliff sits down at the side of the bar. We get him from we get him. He sits at the like the front end of the bar, so we see him from behind. 
And uh, this unassuming woman dressed as a fairy kind of just says, you know, Florida oranges taste delicious. And it almost doesn't register with Cliff at first. He kind of misses it until he does. And he's like, he, he hits it. And he's like, what'd you say? And they start talking. And this is our introduction to Tinkerbell, alias Sharon O'Hare. And she is played by Bernadette Burkett. She is the wife of George Went, the actor who plays Norm, obviously. Uh, she's his real-life wife. And hereafter, throughout the series, she will play the voice of Vera Peterson, Norm's wife. Uh, whenever she calls the bar, leaves a voice message. Um, she also has one sort of half appearance where we see her body in a Thanksgiving episode in season five, I believe. You know, you, you can't just say that. You have to say a historic, a memorable, a a top tier Thanksgiving episode that is ranks right up there with WKRP's uh, Turkeys Can't Fly episode. I mean, it is one of the quintessential Thanksgiving episodes of all time. It is, it is, yeah, and uh, and yeah, she she almost we almost see the face of Vera in that episode, uh, but through some crafty staging, we don't. Um, but yeah, that's uh, that's George Wentz's wife. Uh, she also had appearances in Taxi, in Aftermath. She was in Benson. She appeared in Arrested Development more recently. The Larry Sanders Show. It's Gary Shandling's show. Family Ties, Newhart. Um, she was in movies Mr. Mom and St. Almost Fire. So, you know, she she was in a lot of stuff around that time. Yeah. And and I read up a little bit on her myself. It It is fascinating. There's a lot of articles about the relationship that her and her husband have, that they're one of the long-running spouses in Hollywood. Mm -hmm. And they are really known and respected for it, and they are just great friends. Apparently, they're just great people. And it's... She seems like a very fascinating woman. I mean, they both kind of had their career paths, and they both enjoyed what they did, and they they have loving family together. And she, she just seems like a very fascinating character. And I love the character she plays on the show i think that she was absolutely perfectly cast she's got this high-pitched halting squeaky little voice (laughs) that you know is is, sounds extremely nervous she's afraid of talking afraid of being here she's she's reveling in the fact that she's in costume with a mask on and she can you know be whoever she wants to be without fear of being judged Mm mm-hmm yeah, because that, that is the big thing by the end of the episode when Cliff is so nervous to actually see her as himself, as Cliff, and instead of, you know, this explorer. He tells the guy that, you know, he was playing a part, he was playing this character, and he's terrified of meeting her, and then he thinks she stood him up. And by the end of it, we find out that, no, she was every bit as nervous as him, if not more so. And, and when mm-hmm. they see each other, they're like, they're they're terrified of being who they are. They're tongue-tied. So they really but- are, you know, st- you know, like the perfect couple, but... But we we kind of are missing the the the, the build up to this because mm-hmm. they start this conversation here and they start talking about Florida and they start talking about you know little known facts and she's eating it up she finds it fascinating he's being suave mm-hmm. I mean it's he's still being Cliff but he's being Cliff light he's he's not being the the Cliff I can do anything I want he's just being Cliff you know here's somebody who's interested in me I'm going to talk about the interesting things but I'm not going to do it with the bravado attitude that I always have. Right. So he is being much smoother type of, you know, Boston male character. Yeah, yeah. Would you, like, after when, after we see them dancing and she's like, you dance beautifully, gracefully. Has anybody ever told you that? He's like, oh, yeah, I get, I've been told that before. Now, was it Cortez or, you know, <laughs> yeah. which one of the other conquistadors told me? Yeah. But that's the thing is that, I mean, you know, they start talking, they start talking. And as they go into the back room, 
you know, they're talking, the entire bar just is quietly watching this. They're afraid to speak. They're afraid to break this, this charm that has appeared, this, this, this precious painting that has, has shown up because they haven't seen this. They weren't expecting this. And they, the look on all their faces is, wow, Cliff. Good. And they are, none of them are going to mock him. None of them are going to, you know, try to get involved. Because I think beneath everybody's just they're they're rooting for the guy. They are rooting for him. And you see it after when it when it cuts away to you know when it's closing time and everybody is gone except these two are dancing, and Sam is just sitting on the bar, just kind of like watching them and just waiting. You know, he's he's like, yeah, there's five minutes left until I have to lock up, but I'm not going to kick them out early. I'm going to let them have their moment. He's just very being he's entertaining them and letting them have their fun because he knows how meaningful and important this is, and he's just being you know a great friend and letting that happen. Yeah, I mean, he waits until Diane clocks out and she leaves. I mean, he waits until he's like, you know, I got to get home. Yeah, I got yeah. my own things to do. It, it it really is kind of like, okay, this is it. And, you know, you guys have to move on to the next thing. But he still, he gives them time. He just he unplugs the jukebox. It's like, it's time to go. But then he kind of steps back and just like, come on, Cliff, play this out. Play it for the next step. What do you, he's he's a great wingman. You know, you see Sam, the ladies' man, the one who goes after all the women. He's giving Cliff the time to breathe. He is a good, good friend. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very much. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I, I mean, so we we really see kind of like even like from both Norm and Sam, they both have their great moments of being good like partners and, and good friends to to Cliff and giving him, you know, the, the confidence and the boosts that he need to sort of seal the deal here. Yeah, and, and the like you said earlier, this is the part where Cliff wants to say, you know, this is who I am. Let's take off the mask. No, no, no. I, let, let's meet here tomorrow at eight o'clock. The same spot. We'll meet here unmasked. And you know, Cliff is you know still being suave, Ponce de Leon, and and and, 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 it, and the scene kind of ends. And and then you know she leaves. And this is where we have that good scene with Sam and and Cliff, where Cliff turns back into himself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when he's like, he's like, yeah, that was a nice girl. Don't you think so? He's like, all right, come on, like, let's way to go. You know, he's like trying to like, he's like, yeah, like high five. He's like, no, he's like, this nothing, no big deal. You know, this is how, this is a normal day for me. There's nothing. He's like, same, like all right, three, two, two, one. one. And Cliff just explodes. He's like, all right. He like does like the whole jump kick his heels together and everything. He's like, it's it's such a moment like where Sam gives him. He's like, okay, you don't have to pretend with me. We're clear. He's like, do this. Thing. Let let it out. And oh, it's a brilliant moment yeah it's yeah. it you know come on cliff you you've there's three phases of you there's the real you there's this you know i'm you know a little known fact guy and there's what you, we just saw the smooth you know operator cliff the guy who's going after the girl and doing it well mm-hmm. i, I want to see the real cliff i want to see the real cliff who's just excited and giddy about this because you are come on bring it out yeah speaking of little known facts uh in the second act, when Cliff comes back the next day, he is dressed in a nice three-piece suit. This episode, I believe, is the second time that Cliff does not appear in his mail carrier uniform at all in this episode, in, in the show. Um, it, there was one episode, I think, in season one when he was just wearing like a flannel shirt and a vest or something like that. I don't know if we get another time like that when he's not in costume until the Woody's wedding, like season 10. I don't know. Uh, something I'll be looking for, but it, it is so rare that I noticed it between the between the, the Ponce de Leon costume and then wearing the suit. I'm like, Cliff is not in his carrier uniform at all and, in this episode. 
everybody notices this. Everybody knows this when he walks in the bar because he's walking in not in the postal uniform and he's looking good, except for the white socks. But you know, you can't you can't get the postal man all out. You know, <laughs> still wearing white socks. We gotta talk about that, but otherwise, not a problem. Not a problem. Right. But yeah, he he, he comes in for the date. He comes in early, and uh, you know he's a little bit nervous, but he's he's playing it cool. He's playing it cool. And he's trying to say, oh, yeah, you know, this is no big deal. He's he's kind of putting up the front like he put up with Sam last night. It's not a big deal. You know, I'm a, I'm smooth. It's not a problem at all. And this is where he walks over to. Uh, I'll show you. I'll show you. He walks over. Woman's about to light up a cigarette. Sam, give me a lighter. Goes up, shaking as he's holding it. And he can't even say you're welcome. <laughs> Cannot even say you're welcome to her. And this is where he just falls apart. And this is the weird thing. This is the weirdest part. He runs into Sam's office. You're a patron of the bar. You should run into the back. Right. You wouldn't run into Sam's office. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But no, he just goes into Sam's office, and he is such a barfly in that bar that he knows it's going to be okay. (laughs) (laughs) And actually, um, the woman that he talks to, or that he says, you're a woman, you're a woman. That woman, I looked her up. uh, She's played by Rebecca Soliday. And on IMDb, she only has two acting credits. This episode... And Star Trek Three, she is listed. As, she is credited as a an uncredited role as a Vulcan maiden. Wow, she she kind of tapped out of Hollywood pretty fast, didn't she? I, and I was trying to look. I was like, was she? Did she have like another another job? Was she in like some sort of miscellaneous crew? I couldn't see anything like that. But uh, yeah, weird. But yeah, then what I what I love here is Cliff runs away to the office. And they're just kind of looking at, like, Norm, Coach, and Sam are watching this, and Sam is about to go in after him, and Norm kind of waves him off and says, no, you know, this is me. And Norm does this thing where he goes back in there, and it's just the two of them in the office. Um, and this is, uh, this is you know, the, this great moment where he's kind of, you know, he's like th- th- saying, this isn't a strange woman that you have to approach. You already know this woman. You've laid mm-hmm. all the groundwork for her. She and, likes and, and- you. Yeah. And Cliff is is just tearing himself apart. He's like, I am a dink. I'm going to fail. I there's no point in me going out there. I, I'm just going to stumble. It's just not going to work. I mean, he he really is tearing himself down. This is the this is the real Cliff. This is the Cliff that's got all of the doubts, all of the fears, everything. He knows that he is going to fail. And Norm, being the good friend there, he's no, you're not. You're not. He tries the soft approach first, and then he does the stubborn. Well, you know what? If you aren't going to do it, then I don't even want to know you, and turns his back on it. Yeah, it's almost 8 o'clock, and the one woman in the world weird enough for you to have a shot with, maybe standing outside that door, and and then he turns his back. And I love it, just Cliff is like, Mom, Mommy, Mommy. Come on. And he finally does it. He's like, all right, I'll do it. And and he gives Norm a big hug. He's like, I love you, big guy. Norm was like, yeah, give her a try first. If that doesn't work out, then we'll talk. So. Oh, oh, it's such a great line. <laughs> and it's such a friend line, too. Yep. It's such a friend line. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, he goes out there, but she's not there. So the, the you know... The last little scene with everybody kind of waiting. And again, we go back. It's, it's you know, after closing and they're just kind of waiting what? for him to be crushed. And he's just, he, he returns to the bar and he's well, he, miserable. He's waited, he's waited there six hours. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's, it's it's and, two in the morning. He has waited there till two in the morning. Yeah. Um, and <laughs> when he talks to the coach, he's like, did I ever tell you my nickname in, in high school? He's like, I, he's like, no, you never told me. He's like, I didn't have one. I made my, up my own. 
courteous cliff. <laughs> and they're just going, like, how the fuck is that? And, and, Why didn't you come up with a better one? Uh, I didn't want to seem too obvious. <laughs> yeah, he's like, I, he's like, I thought if it was better, I would arouse suspicion. <laughs> so... Uh, but then, yeah, then she, like, uh, just as they're getting ready to leave, she called, or she called, and, and Coach answers the phone, he's like, no, we don't have any Ponce de Leon here, and we don't have Prince Albert in a can either. <laughs> he's like, freaking out. It reminds me of the, reminds me of when he got the call from the, the Mr. Hedges, and he's like, are you the ducky Hedges that owes me 50 bucks? And it's just all of a sudden, you get these random, like, explosions from Coach on the phone. But It's Bart Simpson on the other line, making <laughs> the prank phone calls to Moe's. Yeah. But yeah, she calls and uh, says, you know, I'm across the street. I'm going to come over. And mm-hmm. and he's excited. He's like, oh, my gosh, she's actually going to come over. Mm-hmm. So he goes and yeah. waits by the door. And Sam pulls everybody off to the side. We're, we're going to wait up here. We're not going to stare. And yeah, she comes down and they have this this meeting where he fumbles his own name. <laughs> <laughs> Which is a good start. And then she fumbles her name. And then they freeze. And just and, and this stare. Is, and stare, and this is where we have some more great pantomime by Ted Danson, where he comes out, he's like, okay, I'm start the music, nothing's happening. He kind of looks over at the rest of the gang, he's like, uh, what do I do now? Okay, uh, all right, let me go over. Uh, he goes over and he looks at them, and like, they are statues, and he's like, okay. Um, hmm. Puts up her arm, and it stays where it's at, he puts up her other arm, stays where it's at, goes to Cliff, does the same thing, steps back. Nope, nothing. Okay. Take, pushes Cliff by the butt. <laughs> yeah, sort of gen- gently pushes like, him by the butt. And like, and, like, and it pushes them together. Great. Steps back. Nope. So he kind of reaches over and just pushes them. Like, he tips <laughs> them over and they start rocking and dancing and he's like, okay, done, and walks away. It's like hitting like a metronome or like like uh-huh. a, a grandfather clock where you just hit the hammer and it just like, and it just needs that little bit of kinetic force to set, to put, and then just perpetual motion just puts them into dancing. <laughs> and it is perfect. And it is yeah. perfect. And, and I, you know, since you've already done it, I know we're breaking format. You've already mentioned your home run of the evening. I'm going to mention mine. This is it. Mm. I, 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 I could have gone back through the entire thing and try to find what joke made me laugh. What This is what hit it out of the park for me. It was this moment right here. It's a simple physical acting, but just this entire scene of you see not only are they both afraid, but they also both realize that, oh my gosh, we like each other. And Sam being, once again, the perfect wingman to get them together. Just perfect. Chef's kiss. Love yeah. it. Love it, love it, love it. Um, another little, uh, it's a little known fact that I brought up. Um, apparently in the original broadcast version, and I think on the DVD box set that I got, it's been it's been a long time since I've watched these on DVD, um, but I believe the songs that they dance to on the jukebox, the first song um, on the first night when they're still in costume, and then again the song at the very end when Sam starts the jukebox again, I believe the song is Moon River by Henry Mancini. And oh. I, think, I think there's a second song in the first act that's Misty by Johnny Mathis. So they must have gotten like the rights to play these, and I think they're on the DVD as well. But for all of the subsequent, like the streaming services, if you watched it, when it when it was on Netflix or now if like CBS All Access or if you get the digital versions, mm-hmm. they've been replaced with sort of kind of just generic love songs. Um, yeah, it was uh, I Am the One You're Dreaming Of, which I never got a chance to look up, but I did write that down. Yeah, um, yeah I, I, and 
it makes sense and it's fine. I I actually kind of liked when I was listening to the lyrics, like I am the one you're dreaming of. Like, well, yeah. I mean, I, it, that, it fits that in. Fits. It fits in with like the theme and like the title of yeah. the episode. But yeah, in the original broadcast, I think it's on the DVDs. If you watch them that way, I think it's Moon River is their song huh. that you're dancing to. Yeah, yeah. I saw it on CBS Access. So. Yeah. Or no, no, I, I apologize. I saw it on Hulu. I saw it on Hulu. Okay, yeah. So, yeah, for all for all my guests, I know, and, and people who might be like following along, I know the show is no longer on on Netflix after like ten years. It's off of Netflix, but it is available to stream other places. So, uh, yeah, I mean that's uh, go that's going through all of my notes. Um, for Norm's tab, uh, after after a pretty slim performance in the previous episode, he was back up to his kind of average. I had him, I gave him credit for four beers this time, um, which brings him up to mm-hmm. two hundred and three for the series. Not bad, not bad. And does that include the uh, one that he's going to be getting after uh, Coach reveals it at the beginning? Did you give him credit for that one? I didn't give him credit for that uh, for that other one. I just gave him credit for one in the in the teaser when he holds okay. up the empty glass. Yeah, so. Uh, for the employee of the week, who did you think was the 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 best part of this episode, the best character? Or I, yeah, it's it's a no brainer. This is Cliff's episode, mm-hmm. and he and he he just is perfect in it. I, I think the only person that's probably second is Norm, just because of that great scene uh, in the office and just kind of his how he was playing a little bit at the beginning with the other people in the bar. And he was like, eh, that's kind of funny, but I'm not going to go along with it. I thought Norm was a good second, but uh, Cliff was, this is Cliff all over the place. Yeah. Norm had that great supporting role in that one little scene. And Sam just kind of in general, like with his own small little subplot and everything, yeah. he was, he was really funny and he was really sweet and endearing at the end. So I could, I could understand a case for him, but I agree this from, from start to finish, this was Cliff's episode. And this actually makes two episodes in a row where I'm given the MVP to Cliff because I gave it to him for last episode too, uh, for very for very different reasons and very different performances. Um, but yeah, I thought he was great. Um, for home runs, I mean, I had a couple of runners up. I had the okay one, two, three, and Cliffy going hooray! Yes. <laughs> that was a runner up. I love that one. Um, I like the moment when. Um, uh, when uh, she, when Diane asks him, "What would you call an evening with a woman where you have absolutely zero chance of a sexual encounter?" and he says, "A first. That was yeah. great." The, um, there was also the other line that Sam had when they were talking about. Uh, oh gosh, it was um, when they were talking to Cliff about. I, I know. Uh, what, I know what it is. Yeah, yeah. It's set up. With, it, they're, they 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 wanted. They basically want to know if Cliff slept with her. Like Norm, yeah. Norm and Carla want to know if if he actually went home with her that night and stuff. And he's like, no, no. He's like, don't you know? Psychologists believe that one night of meaningless pleasure can get in the way of a kind, of any kind of long term commitment. And Norm goes, is that true, Sam? And Sam goes, I rely on it. <laughs> that was another perfect set spike and and hit. It was wonderful. I loved it. Yeah, yeah. Good, good. One, so, uh, yeah. Overall, I mean, like. Kind of a kind of a different kind of a unique feeling episode, and kind of like a, a little bit of an outlier. But just overall, like a like I found myself. My memory of this episode was okay. It's a cliff centric episode. I don't think I generally like those as much. They don't seem as strong. I was like, I remember there's just cliff being awkward and shy around women can sometimes be a little bit hard to watch. Is this going to be a kind of a downer to rewatch again and, and review. And I just, as I'm watching this, I was like, this is a really fun episode. This is just very sweet and wholesome. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree. This is, I kind of went into it the same way. First of all, I was a little confused. I was like, 
did, did I start this in the right place? Because I'm like showing up, and, like they're they're all in costume. Like, what is happening here? But as as the show goes on, it's it's very interesting because it kind of ends in a place you aren't expecting it. I you don't know about this this other woman that it's going to be a Cliff Love episode and, until almost halfway through it. Mm-hmm. But then you know that that starts and it's like this is this is really good. It's really sweet. It's it's just a nice little episode and it's and it's fun and it's fun. Right. And it's a testament as the I mean as the show goes on we see more of this now that the Sam and Diane will they want a romance is, is sort of in this this place of detente sort of where she's where she's seeing somebody else you know we can't have that as the focus of every single episode because they're not no. together we need the show needs to be able to rely from time to time on the supporting characters and we've yeah. had norm centric episodes in the past and carla centric episodes and occasionally a coach centric episode uh and now we're sort of seeing that you know at cliffy you know, John Ratzenberger can hold his own. He can carry some of these episodes too, and that's something that they'll continue to do throughout the life of the show. As we get a bigger cast and more actors that can do that that work, and as we see as the show progresses to more of an ensemble family feel, yeah, yeah, good choice. Thank you very much for having me on this one. I really appreciate it. I think this was a great one to be on, so I, I do appreciate that. Well, I appreciate you coming back as always, and I, I know that I will have you again in the future. Yeah. Um, but until that auspicious occasion, where else can uh, our listeners find you if they want to hear more from you? Well, me and my co-host Jeff, who also goes, goes by the name Tinkerbell for some odd reason, uh, we have a little show called Unpacking the Power of Power Pack where we talk about the most underrated series from the 80s, Power Pack, and we drink beer kind of like I'm doing now. <laughs> I am also hosting a new show called Monthly Monday Movie Muckabout on the Logbox Crusade Network. And that's where I show a film to a guest that they have never seen and we talk about it. Because, you know what? The world needs another movie review show. But you can find that at the Longbox Crusade once a month on a Monday. All right. Thank you very much once again. Listeners, thanks to all of you out there who listen to and support CheersCast uh, by liking and sharing on Facebook, favoriting and retweeting on Twitter, or leaving a comment on the website, which you can find at fireandwaterpodcast.com. You can also support the Fire and Water Podcast Network on Patreon. Special thanks to Mike Gillis from Radio vs. the Martians and Rick, right here, from Woo-hoo. Jeff and Rick Presents Monday Movie Muckabout or whatever. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Close who's, enough. Who sponsored this show. For more information on how you can support your favorite show on the Fire and Water Network, visit patreon.com slash fwpodcasts. Thank you everyone for listening, and until next time, we're closed. Such a wimp, I'm such a wuss, I'm such a weenie. Oh god, am I a dink? Cliff, I know you're nervous about meeting a girl, but this one's different. You know her already. You danced with her all night long. I didn't dance with her, no. Ponce de Leon danced with her. No, you danced with her. Oh, it wasn't me. I was just playing a role. Tonight I meet middle-aged tongue-tied yutz. All right, Cliff, I want you to listen to me for a minute. There's been a lot of talk about you in this bar recently. And the one who always winds up defending you is me. I don't mind. That's what best friends are for. But it's almost 8 o'clock, Cliffy, and the one woman in the world weird enough for you to have a shot at may be standing right outside that door. You blow this, I don't even want to look at you. <laughs>